Hello? Hey, Rich, it's Larson. You got a minute? Sure, Larson. What's up? Welcome to the Got a Minute podcast. This is Larson Hicks, and I'm here with Pastor Rich Lusk. How you doing, sir? Pretty good. How about you, Larson? I'm good. I apologize for the uh, for the fact that I haven't shaved here. I was I've been at the beach uh, last over the weekend with the family and and uh, got in late, so I'm a little a uh, little scruffy, but uh, but rejuvenated from my time off. And I understand you just got home from uh, marriage recently. That is right. Uh, my son uh, just got married, so we were excited about that, and uh, that weekend went well. So uh, it's really good. You know, Larson, I'm wondering if we should uh, rename this podcast from God a Minute to uh, something like Off the Cuff. There you go. <laughs> That's kind of the way I here. <laughs> got an hour. Uh, I, I hear other people when they're doing podcasts, they'll, they'll, they'll refer to their notes and whatnot. And you and I just kind of turn on our computer and start recording and then decide what we're going to talk about. It's kind of how it goes. I think it's the best way. I think I think that captures the spirit of of really what I was hoping we would do with this podcast, which is which is capture sort of uh, these spontaneous conversations that you and I tend to have that I think are 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 I think it's us at our best uh, is when you and I are kind of just 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 freewheeling, you know, kind of uh, diving into a topic. Well, speaking of diving into a topic, let's do it. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about um, dating and marriage, which, you know, I, I told my wife just a few minutes ago, hey, I think I'm going to talk about dating and marriage with Rich. And she goes, oh, boy, here we go again. Um, but uh, it, it, and she rolled her eyes because this is this is such a hot topic in my home. I've got three teenage boys and, uh, you know, we're in a church full of of young people that are all kind of right in that age range. Um and so, you know, this whole topic of dating versus courtship, uh, what does this all mean? Um, it's, it's very, very, it's a very hot topic. Uh, I, I don't know that it will not be as long as we've got young people in our, uh, in our midst. And so, you know, I think, I think the, uh, the part of it that's, that's maybe difficult or controversial in our circles is, is the word courtship, you know, gained so much prominence um, with, you know, with uh, the 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 book, I think um, "I Kiss Dating Goodbye" was kind of the beginning, maybe. And I know Doug Wilson's written um, stuff on the topic, and and I feel like just that the terminology courtship really got a lot ahead of steam, and it's kind of like like when people say, "Well, I go to a church where they have expositional teaching." It's like it's like kind of a buzzword to sort of indicate that you're hardcore and you're really serious about doing the right thing. Um, but the application I see is kind of all over the map so so for starters rich like what in your mind what's the difference between dating and courtship or is there a difference well yeah these terms can be used to refer to a lot of different things and obviously a lot of those things are uh you know it, it varies from culture to culture uh and from time to time uh, what, what these terms mean and, and, and how people go about seeking a spouse. It's interesting that you mentioned the uh, Josh Harris book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Of course, we know what happened with him but yeah. uh, and, and his sad slide into apostasy. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting for me because I got married, you know, basically the week I graduated college. 
1995. And, you know, we, we, we started our life together right out of college. And so we had what you could call uh, a cornerstone marriage where you start out basically with nothing and build a life together. Um, and then we had kids and then, um, you know, and, and, and somewhere in the, in that intervening time, I don't know, know exactly when Josh Harris's book was published, uh, but I know purity culture, you know, kind of became a big thing uh, with yeah. the purity balls and, you know, pledges and whatnot. Yeah. Um, probably well-intentioned, but, you know, really kind of cheesy, corny, and probably also very badly misguided in some cases. Um, by the time my kids were into their teen years, I think purity culture had kind of come and gone, or at least right. we were not in churches or circles where where that was a thing. So we kind of dodged that bullet. Um but and and I do think it's important to recognize that purity culture was trying to address the, the whole purity movement or I kiss dating goodbye movement was trying to address a very real problem of sure. sexual uh, sin uh, among Christian young people and and sure. uh, you know attempt to do something about that uh, and that's certainly a good thing. Uh, what the Bible teaches about about sex and about sex you know sexual uh, sin sexual temptation is something that we need to be teaching our kids from a very early age so they will understand that sex is reserved for marriage. Uh, that's God's beautiful design. There are good and yeah. wise reasons for that. And all kinds of bad things happen when you don't adhere to God's design, when you when you uh, when you violate God's law in this area. So um, there, I would say that there are extremes. You know, I don't know exactly how how those terms dating and courtship should be defined in our day, because I think, again, they, they can mean a lot of different things. But um, I think that there are certain uh, parameters or there are certain principles. Scripture gives us wisdom in this area. It does not give, give us a formula or a set of techniques. And I think that the the wisdom that God gives to us, I think the um, the uh, the principles that you could say God's word gives to us could play out in in a system that you might call courtship, or could play out in a system that you could call Christian dating. Uh, I don't think it has to necessarily be one or the other, um, because I think there there again, there's not just one right way to to approach the whole question of how do I find a spouse? Or if you're a parent, how do I help my kids find a spouse? Right. So that, that's one thing I would definitely, you know, so, so on the one hand, Christians definitely want to avoid the wreckage of the sexual revolution and all that has come with that. You know, right. that's obviously been a disaster. We want to avoid that. On the other hand, I think we want to avoid some kind of uh, overly rigid uh, set of techniques or a very specific mm -hmm. formula that somebody might act like comes straight out of scripture when really it, it right. doesn't. Uh, right. So I think those would be extremes that we want to avoid. Yeah. And the, you know, the, the sexual, you know, revolution, avoiding, avoiding that purity culture. I think, I think you're right. All that's good and, and well-intentioned. Um, I think where we start getting into the, the, the murky waters here is when you start talking about, okay, so we all we're all saying we need to avoid, you know, premarital sex. Great, got it. Um, but now what? You know, um, and and I think the 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 idea of guarding um, guarding your heart, you know, um, protecting a woman's heart in particular, you know, treating you know treating uh, your your sisters in Christ as or, or or young women and you know in in the church as sisters with all purity. What does that look like, especially if you're intending to uh, to, to try to find a wife? Um, and and you know you you mentioned 
the idea that this gets this gets off the rails when you start um, getting into a step by step process. You use the term Christian dating, which I'm sure there were some gasps uh, from you know from people listening. I'm sure there's some gasps gasps in the room, like those two words should never go together, Christian and dating. Um, but it, is there is there a step by step process, or is there a is there a uh, a, a model, you know, are there principles here that we can, that we can start to apply and, and where, where do things yeah. get, where do think, where, where is their liberty here? You know, how much liberty yeah. is there? Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that's good. Um, so, so one distinction to make that some people would make between dating and courtship is that uh, courtship has parental supervision. Dating does not. Uh, yeah. So dating, just the two young people go off on their own and figure things out on their own and, they're not accountable to anybody. Nobody's giving any insight or input. And then the courtship process, uh, you have parents on both sides, the, the, the parents of the young man, the parents of the young woman who are heavily involved in the process. Uh, I, I actually, so when I, when I mention Christian dating, what I have in mind is obviously Christian sexual ethics being uh, adhered to, uh, God's design for marriage being respected, all of that. Uh, but also, I think, I think it would be a, a, a system, if you will, where parents do provide oversight and input. But I think what's happened in some circles where courtship is really pushed is it's not just that you have parental involvement. It's not just that you have parental oversight. It's that you have overbearing parents mm. who, I mean, it's basically overkill. Uh, they're, right. they're, they're, they're too involved. Uh, right. And so just as with so many other things when it comes to parenting, um, there, there's a sense in which the, 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 your goal as a parent, of course, is to work yourself out of a job. And that means that as your kids grow up, if you have done your job well, you will be giving your kids a longer and longer leash until you finally unleash them all together. Obviously, that's the whole point is to launch your kids out into the world where they can be faithful Christians living in the world and and go on to continue building the kingdom of God and and you know carrying on your legacy of faith and whatnot on their own. Right. Uh, that that's what you're aiming at, and I would say that you know I I love what Doug Wilson said somewhere. I don't know if this was in print or just something that he's that he's you know kind of those off the cuff comments that he's made before. Uh, but he said the difference between dating and courtship is that in dating you have two idiots involved in courtship you have six idiots involved so you got the the guy and the girl and you got both sets of parents and so you've kind of multiplied the idiocy well i've seen that play out before where you've got parents who who just uh they they actually uh make all kinds of mistakes and and actually make things far worse for their kids and in some cases uh, maybe even set the bar so high or they made things so difficult that you know, say a, a daughter doesn't end up getting married at all because the bar has been set so high that any potential yeah. suitor who might come along has got to jump through so many hoops just to just to be able to spend any time with with right. with the girl that, uh, it, you know, it, it just it becomes it's such a barrier to entry that she never even really gets that opportunity. So, I, you know, again, there, there, there are a range of views and practices here. On the other hand, I have seen people who who do what they would call courtship do it well. You know, so it can be done well. I just I just refer to Christian dating because I think that kind of strikes the best balance to me of the different things that are out there. Uh, you know, I had two kids get married this this summer and that's what we did with them. So I can say, I mean, it does work if, if you know, if you yeah. if you. Uh, if you if you give it a chance, um, but uh, but again, it does it does take some some wisdom. It takes um, training, you know, in terms of how you right. raise your children. You, there's a lot of 
training that goes into it. Um, so, so just just to give you an example, uh, to you know, if you, well, let me make one more distinction here that I think will be helpful for us. I think you also have to distinguish a date as an event from dating as a relationship. I mean, we all know that somebody can okay, go on a date and doesn't automatically make them boyfriend, girlfriend. And then right. there's dating as a relationship where obviously that's a more serious thing. Our rule of thumb with our, with our kids, uh, and you know, all my kids are out of high school now, but my rule of thumb with our kids was, um, you can go on a date as an event, like say if the school has a dance and, and, and you can take a date to that, that's yeah. fine. You can, you, you can do a date as an event, but no serious dating relationship while you're in high school. Uh, and the reason for that is that, you know, we believed that a, uh, a dating relationship ought to be intentional and aimed towards marriage. And so, right. you know, if, if, if the earliest time that you could marry somebody would be six years away, do you really want to date for the next six years? You know, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's kind of, you know, that, that, that's going to, you know, dangle a lot of temptation right in front of you. And that's just going to create probably a lot of problems. Right. Um, you know, more, more, more problems than, than it's worth. Uh, so, you know, in, so we, we, we put off dating, uh, through high school, although we did allow our kids to go on dates as events, we put off the boyfriend, girlfriend, and, and that's just, that's just, that's just parents, I think being, you know, appropriately protective, appropriately wise. Um, now if you're going to, if, if getting married at age 18 is a real possibility for you, then maybe, you know, dating in high school is not such a bad thing towards the end of high school, you know? So, sure. so again, it, it kind of depends on what, what you think the marriage, you know, marriageable age is going to be for you, which, you know, for a man is going to depend to some degree on what kind of career he pursues, what, what kind of training he's going to need for that career when he becomes financially viable and can support himself, all that. So, yeah. So those are things to take into account. And even there, there's a few caveats you could make, but, but that's how I would look at it. So dating ought to be purposeful and directed towards marriage. Uh, it ought to be intentional in that kind of way. And I would say that if you're in a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship and you come to the realization that you are definitely not going to marry this person, then you should break that off as quickly as possible to save both of you any additional heartache. Um, on the other hand, saying that dating is intentional and purposeful doesn't mean that it should be, you know, all business and and no enjoyment, because sure. I think there's some people who kind of, you know, they swing to that extreme or, you know, they kind of turn it into then just this elaborate job interview kind of thing. And certainly in one sense, you are interviewing for a job when you're dating, you're interviewing for the job of a, of a husband or a wife, yeah. but, uh, you know, it, it ought to be enjoyable. And I think that there are different you know ways in which uh, our, our roles as men and women uh, come into play in dating. And I think that that's really important too, you know, where the man takes the lead. Typically, I think it ought to be a man who's asking a girl out on a date. And, and I, you know, so one thing that, that, that I did, and this is also, you know, this is another thing that might be a little bit different, you know, between what I've called Christian dating versus courtship. Um, I did not, you know, I did not, I, I told my girls a lot of things, of course, as they were growing up. But one thing I said is, you know, I, I will never run off a good man. Okay, so the whole idea of the, of, you know, dad, you know, uh, you know, meeting a guy and, you know, he's cleaning his, he's cleaning his shotgun while they <laughs> have their little pre-date talk. I, I, you know, so I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to scare off a good, a good man. So you don't have to worry about that. I want to help you make a good decision. I want to help you be wise, but I'm not going to scare off a good man. But I also said, you know, I trust you to make a good judgment on the front end. So if a guy asks you out, you are certainly free to say no, if you know, you're not interested, you know, don't yeah. worry about being nice, be truthful. Yeah. 
But uh, if you are interested and you're going to go on a date, you don't, he doesn't have to talk to me to take you on one date. But if there's going to be multiple dates and this thing starts getting serious, then you need to get you need to get parental input very early yeah. on. You know, once yeah. once something starts to develop. That's good. I think those are fantastic principles. And I think they I, I think that's really helpful. I mean, you gave some specifics there, which which I know is like, you know, becomes dangerous, you know, when you start giving specifics because people really cling to specifics. We all want want to paint by numbers kit how to. Um, but I, I think just to kind of review, I mean, the, the principles that you're, you're pointing to are a, you know, daughters and sons are different. Um, right. So we actually treat them differently. Um, uh, so, you know, a young man is supposed to leave and cleave. So the idea, and I've told my boys, this I've told other, other, you know, parents in our church, this, I don't really want to have a lot to do with my son's, uh, you know, efforts to find a, a wife. Like I, I, that's his, that's his job. That's his calling. That's his work. He's got to be motivated and he's got to go out and find that, that woman. I want to be his advisor. I want to be, a, I, I hope that I've positioned myself in such a way that he seeks me for wisdom. Um, but that's that the relationship, the oversight that I'm providing to a son who's left the home um, and is pursuing a girl um, is, is pretty minimal. You're right in the home. You know, while you're in high school, we're not going to be in a dating relationship. Um, that's a that's to me. That's that's wise for the exact same reason you gave. If you know, if if um, and, and we haven't used this term yet, but the idea of recreational dating. And, and I grew up in a culture that was. Uh, all about recreational dating. You you have a boyfriend and a girlfriend. You break up. You you get another boyfriend. You get another girlfriend. Whatever. And and it's kind of this, this 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 uh, uh, part of life that like you don't have a boyfriend. You don't have a girlfriend. What's wrong with you? That's 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 what you're supposed to do. Um. So so we're rejecting all of that absolutely as foolish, unhelpful, unwise. But a young man. Leaving and cleaving, the fact that boys, you know, your relationship with your sons is different. But but I think you made a really great point about, about daughters, that, that yes, um, ultimately courtship um, without a doubt is something that that is designed to protect um, especially women, you know, from being taken advantage of, That's being right. emotionally manipulated by, by men who have bad intentions. Um, but the best protection you can provide a daughter is excellent training, excellent discipline. That's really what I'm getting at. So yeah, you're right. I mean, as as a father, you have a responsibility to protect your daughter, but it is possible to be overprotective and actually smother her, you know? And, and uh, so, so yeah, I mean, there's a very delicate balance there that you want to seek as a father where you're giving oversight and, and protection, but you're not being overbearing. And again, you know, you, it it goes back to the training you did from their earliest days. You want to raise up a child you can trust. If you, if you have not done that, you know, and then your daughter gets to be 18. Well, Mm -hmm. the reality is at that point, you know, in in a lot of ways, you're kind of behind the eight ball and it's going to be very, very hard to play catch up. And, 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 and not only raising a daughter that you can trust to make good decisions, 
but also so that she trusts you, so that she trusts her mom and her dad right. to give her good and wise insights. So that that as well. So it, it, it's really both and. And uh, yeah, that's really crucial. You know, it's interesting to think back to, you know, like how my parents grew up, you know, say in the 50s and 60s, kind of that whole generation. And it's interesting because they, you, you might even say they practiced a kind of recreational dating that was, I mean, obviously people are always sinners, so there's, and, you know, sexual sure. sin is always going to be an issue. But um, they, they practiced a kind of recreational dating that in some ways uh, had some benefits in the sense that, like, you know, the, the way I've heard it described is, you know, you could go out on a date with one person on a Friday night and another person a Saturday night. There was no expectation, generally speaking, of right. sexual activity. So, so there, right. you know, there were all kinds of boundaries up. Everybody sort of knew each other. But it was a way for you to uh, get to know somebody of the opposite spouse, get comfortable being around somebody of the opposite spouse, uh, of the opposite right. sex. I said opposite spouse, uh, opposite sex. Uh, you, you, um, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, you, you would get that. Um, yeah. experience in a kind of healthy way. And I, I think there was right. something useful about that because yeah. one thing that I've seen in some Christian circles and particularly in places where courtship is really, really stressed, sometimes there's this, um, if you're going to get to know somebody of the opposite sex, it's like, how do you do that? Right. And it's, you know, and it may be in a large group and that's fine. You can, you can, you can get to know people. And I actually think there's a lot, this is something we come back to. I think there's a lot to be said for, uh, getting to know somebody of the opposite sex in a larger group setting. There's a lot of value in that. But, but, but what I've seen happen sometimes is that if, if you, in a, in a, in a courtship model, take a girl, you know, finally get to the point where you're taking a girl out to do something. It's like everybody already assumes that you're practically married because you've had to jump through so many hoops just to get to that point. And so it ratchets up the intensity of even just an initial relationship that actually, I think it makes it, it makes it almost too difficult in a way uh, for guys and girls to um, pair off. And you don't want that. So, so, you know, making it too easy, making it too hard, there are extremes on both sides. Uh, So again, I think it's wisdom that threads that needle. Yeah, I I think that's a really good point to kind of jump up and down on a little bit really quickly is, is this is, I totally agree. This is the place where this becomes, I think, really dangerous and unhelpful is for a boy to be able to, and one of the things, okay, a couple things. Uh, One is you talked about this, this kind of fifties era sort of model where you're, you're, you're taking you know, girls and boys are, are, are going out on dates. Boys are taking girls out on dates. Let's go get a milkshake. Let's go get, you know, a burger, whatever. Let's go to the dance. Um, and there's not a, and there's not a ton of pressure there. It's, it's, it's not, um, and there's also not an expectation that we are a thing now. Like we're, we're a, a, a thing now because we went on a date. Um, obviously if that, if that happens over and over with the same girl, then it's like, okay, there's something's happening here. Something's changed in this dynamic. But there, uh, one of the things I think we're missing in that model that was really, really good was young men learning how to take initiative, um, to That's right. Woman, yes. Right? Yes. That is exactly right. Which is something that if, if they're going, if you're going to be a good husband, if you're going to be a romantic husband, if you're going to be a husband that that meets his wife's needs, you're going to have to learn how to pursue, how to take initiative. If you're going to have a sexually fulfilling marriage, you're going to have to learn as a man how to take initiative. 
And, and if you think that, you know, this is about filling out an, an application, you know, that this is the, the initiative of, of applying for college or something, it's, it's, a, it's a different animal altogether. And I also think, so the second piece, Rich, that, that you, you mentioned, sorry, is, uh, is just the pressure and the intensity of, of courtship. It's somehow this courtship model has gotten to a point to where, where the, the, the thought is that a girl who has no relationship whatsoever with a young man can have that young man go to the father and ask for permission to court her. And that be granted, uh, and without her being involved in any sort of way, in my mind, I mean, it, I'm just thinking about my own daughters, and you can probably speak to this. My daughters are very young, so I've got a long way to go before that this happens. But in my mind, there's already a a cordial relationship there between the guy and the girl. They've gotten to know each other in group settings. He's maybe taken her out to get some coffee, and there's there's clearly there's clearly chemistry and he's going to the, the dad saying, I think your daughter and I have, have real chemistry here. I'd like to pursue, I like to take, you know, I like to pursue this further and get to know her more. Um, and, and continue to take her out on dates when it's becoming a thing, it's becoming a relationship. Um, that's when you're getting dad involved and saying, Hey, I I don't want to do, I don't want to steal your daughter's heart without you having any knowledge of what's going on. Right. Yes. Yes. So, so, you know, sons, um, you know, young men learning how to pursue a woman, uh, women having the experience of being pursued and what that means. Yeah. I, th- I think that, I think that's really, really good. Provided again, you've got all the right guardrails in place. Uh, so I think that's really, really helpful. And again, a lot of this also goes back as we've talked about training you do long before your kids get to dating age, uh, so that they are disciplined, uh, so they have, you know, some measure of wisdom of their own and they know what to look for. I mean, so, you know, for example, they know they should only date uh, not just another believer, I would say, but a mature, yeah. growing Christian, right. someone whose faith is very evident, not just somebody who says they're a Christian and could check that box on a census form, but somebody who actually shows evidence of being a faithful believer so that they right. so they recognize that. Yeah, I think that's really, really good. I, I think another thing just to recognize, and this goes back to what, you know, something we started with, the uh, the wreckage of the sexual revolution, is that basically dating is dead at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, out, outside of Christian circles where there's some, uh, you know, where, 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 you know, people are much more traditionally minded, dating is largely dead. You have hookup culture that's totally taken its place where, right. uh, you know, it's all about a sexual, a casual sexual relationship. Right. Uh, so, so, in a lot of ways, Christians are about the only people left who are dating, uh, or you know, or who um, are looking for pathways into marriage with with collapsing marriage rates and with so much sexual promiscuity. Uh, I think this this is a real issue. Um, and again, I, I would say for Christians, carrying on, uh, you know, common sense wise dating practices is is something that, that that we should be very supportive of because obviously we do want our kids to to get married and i think that there are a lot yeah. of advantages uh with getting married you know relatively early you know say you're yeah. you know you're uh, you know um as, as opposed to now where the, the the average age of of marriage is is climbing up close to 30. i know there's not a magical age at which people should be getting married but if you're talking about getting uh, the average age being, you know, getting close to 30, uh, that's a lot of years of having yeah. to deal with, 
uh, sexual temptation. It means that yeah. a, a woman is going to have lost some of her best uh, years of fertility and those kinds yeah. of things. I, I, I think also along with all of this, you know, and I, I said, obviously, you know, training your, uh, your kids and knowing what to look for in a spouse, uh, you know, that it's got to be a faithful and growing Christian and that kind of thing. But I think, I think just in general, understanding something about the opposite sex, understanding what the opposite sex uh, values, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a spouse, uh, I think that kind of thing is really, really important. So I, you know, I was, I gave my kids a little grid or tried to at least, I mean, this is what we, we were hoping to communicate to them. And when I've taught on this, I've done the same kind of thing, but I would always say, okay, you know, the most important thing is what is their faith like? Do they have mature and growing, vibrant Christian character? Physical attraction obviously is important. That, yeah. that, that's that's got to be there as well. There's got to be physical attraction. That's going to be more important for a man towards a woman than 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 uh, a woman towards a man, uh, yeah. because uh, just of how men, you know, what men value in women certainly includes their uh, their physical beauty. That's how God has made them. Yeah, uh, I would say uh, masculinity and femininity. You know, um, understanding um, what masculinity and femininity are, understanding how the masculine is drawn to the feminine and the feminine to the masculine. Uh, so understanding that, and there, there are little things that happen in a dating relationship where you know where these kind of things come out. So you know, a, a lot of our sort of. I know chivalry can be attacked in various ways or, or criticized in various ways, but I think a lot of our chivalrous customs are just ways of communicating masculinity and femininity. So if a man opens a car door or a, a building door for a woman, that's a way of communicating um you know, strength, protection, provision, a man paying on a date, that's a way of communicating strength and provision, you know, things, things like that. Uh, so, so they, you know, they're not, they're not empty customs. They actually do have value in what they signal. Yeah. Um, I, that may just be a surface level kind of thing, but I think it, it, it points to something much deeper and you got to make sure that the deeper reality is there. But, um, and of course, you know, I mean, today you have a lot of women who'd be very offended at the thought that a man might open her door or, or pay for her meal, that kind of thing. And then right. personality, you know, there's got to be there's got to be some kind of of chemistry. Um, you know, can he make her laugh? You know, does he enjoy being, you know, in her in her company and and all that? So there's got to be some kind of uh, personality chemistry as well. So so Christian faith, a growing, vibrant faith, um, physical attraction. Uh, masculinity, femininity, personality, you know, th th those are the main things that I think you're, you're looking for. Uh, if you're kind of thinking of a grid of, you know, like, how do I evaluate this person? How do I vet this person as a potential yeah. spouse? Yeah. I think, I think something you touched on there, um, Rich, that, that we should dive a little deeper into is, and we've already alluded to this, but this, this, Temptation, I think that that in the kind of courtship model, in the circles where courtship is something that we that we value, or, or at least this biblical concept of Christian dating is something we value, um, it, it means kind of more protection from mom and dad over uh, particularly the daughter. Um, but the, the danger, the ditch that that I've certainly seen, I know you have as well, is is the is the ditch of setting far too high a bar. Um, yes. Yes. So that the daughter is um, in, ends up, you know, no, no man is good enough for her because dad is involved now and his his standards are so high. 
and you and and you've get you've got these beautiful marriageable young ladies who are sitting on the shelf um, and all the good men are 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 getting married off younger while while they're waiting for the perfect man um, yeah, that is so true. I mean, you know, sometimes guys can have uh, very unrealistic expectations about right. female beauty, Absolutely. appearance, all that. So, so again, you have to be realistic. Um, but the same thing can happen on the other side. And, and actually, parents can, in a misguided way, uh, encourage unrealistic expectations and set the bar so high that, you know, whether it's whether it's the kind of job or the amount of money a man has to have or, or whatever else it might be, that basically... Um, makes the makes the young woman almost unmarriageable. So I, I've seen that happen as well. I'll tell you another thing where where that that you have to be aware of in today's world is that just the way that you know people talk about the dating market and that kind of thing, which I mean, I don't really care for the word market in this context because it makes it sound like we're buying and selling, which we're clearly not. Right. But that's how right. people talk about it. But with things like online dating apps, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying it's wrong to use, you know, the, the, those kinds of tools, um, or just social media in general, the pool of people that you are now being compared to is so much larger and this can right. be one of those things that creates very unrealistic expectations for men and for women. So think about this, you know, uh, you know, a few generations ago, growing up in a small town where you're going to marry somebody else who grew up in this same small town. And so the pool that you're, you know, that you're going to pull from to find a spouse is pretty small, generally speaking. And, and so, you know, if you think of it as a kind of competition again i don't like to use that word either but you get what i mean by that um you know it's it's a pretty small group um you know as as as, you know the people who are growing up together sort of sort themselves out and pair up that kind of thing well now you're in competition with thousands upon thousands if not millions of people on this sort of global you know date you know on these apps where where you know people from all over the world uh can 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 you know, set up a profile. Of course, a lot of the profiles even can be fake, um, or just you know, social media in general does this. So it's a much. So I think I, I, what I'm getting at is it makes it much easier for people to be discontent. Right. It makes it much easier for people to become way too picky and then feel like they have to settle. Right. Okay, when in reality, they you know, you might not be settling at all. You might be ending up with somebody who's a who's actually a good match, but you're discontent because you have seen. You know, for a guy, it might be that you saw so many um, women on Instagram or on a dating app, they were just more attractive than the woman you're marrying. Right. Well, you know, that's that that's ridiculous. I mean, you got you right. just have to be realistic about that kind of thing. Or, you know, a woman who's, you know, women or, you know, the term that's used is hypergamy. Women want to marry up, you know, so they generally want to marry somebody who's taller, better educated wealthier, higher status, what have you. And this has to do with just, you know, the role of the man and the woman in the relationship and that kind of thing. Um, even to, even women who claim to be feminists still have very strong hypergamous tendencies. It's just built right. into, you know, into right. the way things are. But um, it's possible for hypergamy to just go haywire and for women to have completely unrealistic expectations about the kind of man they should be able to find. And this really happens with hookup culture because, uh, uh, you know, um, when set when God's standards for sex are not observed, you know, and so you know whether it's in high school or college campus or wherever, and a woman sleeps around, she might sleep with a lot of guys who would never consider marrying her, right. 
they used her for sex, but then she thinks, oh, well, that guy was super attractive and high status and whatnot. So surely that's the kind of guy who would want to marry me. Right. Well, no, that just because that guy slept with you doesn't mean that a guy that, like that would want to marry you. So it, it, it throws people's expectations way out of whack, uh, completely yeah. out of alignment with reality. So, again, what are the what are the what, are, what, what is the biblical wisdom? What are the biblical principles here? Parents need to be involved as overseers, advisors, uh, protectors, and how you play that role is different for a son than it is for a daughter. I think it's Doug Wilson who used the analogy of an away game versus a home game. I, I, I like that. Uh, with a son, you're playing an away game. With a daughter, it's a home game. You're kind of on your home turf, and you are going to be giving you know a little bit more oversight in certain kinds of you know concrete, tangible ways. But still, raise kids you can trust. Raise your kids in such a way that they will trust you, trust your judgment, know you have their best interests in view so that your counsel will be heard. And then uh, obviously uh, have accountability, have guardrails up so that, uh, so that you don't put yourself in overly tempting situations. Uh, date purposefully, intentionally with a view to marriage and as you seek to vet somebody, that's where parental counsel and, and insight is very, very helpful. But also be be realistic uh, and be wise in in the decisions you make, you know, along those lines. Yeah, and and just to kind of um, add to to the conversation about about the daughter and about about having too high a bar, I I will say, and this is easy for me to say as a as a father who doesn't have any daughters old enough to get married or, or to really even be in that in that phase. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of giving myself a pep talk here, but I, I do believe that that finding a husband or, or, or a, a the Lord you know, uh, bringing a husband to your daughter ultimately requires faith and um, it, it requires and wisdom, obviously. And, and I think the wisdom to me is one of the things, you know, you and I have talked a lot about um, Greg, um, Krebel, Krebel, I don't know how you pronounce it, Krebel, uh, however you pronounce it. Um, his book, Eggs Are Expensive, Sperm is Cheap. Um, yeah. And, you know, he makes, it, he makes a point in that book that I think is, is, is very true, um, and, and that is that, um, it, again, we don't like this metaphor, but it's, it, you know, it, it's helpful to be frank and to, and, to, and to look at things from this perspective. In, in the sexual marketplace, um, women ages 18 to 25 are are at the absolute peak you know they they are the, they have the most buying power let's put it that way in this in the marketplace right um in the sexual marketplace they have they command the most value and and a way to think about that is when your daughters are in that age range they are they are in the best position to to attract the most um, high quality man, um, um, available because they, they, th in that age range, this is just hardwired into the way that men, um, men think about women is that, is that, that attractiveness and fertility and beauty and, and, um, health and all of those things just factor much higher in a man's estimation of a woman. And so, um, so I think a wise father, uh, is looking at that kind of age range and is saying, you know, this is a good, this, we, we should be, we should be, um, actively engaged in trying to help our, our daughter and, and, and not be, you know, I think, I think what happens with a lot of folks is that they're, 
they're going, well, first we've got to, she's got to finish college and we're not even going to talk about marriage until then. And, and, um, and we're looking for a man who is, who already has, you know, an established career and income or, or, or a bunch of college degrees or whatever. And, um, and I think that the reality is that, um, that there's a lot of faith involved here and you're catching, you're trying to catch a man on his way up, a young man who's on his way up. And, and I think that takes wisdom, uh, both dad and, and, and daughter, uh, and wife obviously need to be looking with using some wisdom and also some faith in that whole process at that age. But I think that's kind of, you know, if, if you're a parent of, of a daughter, I think that's, that's going to be your, your, your window, you know, the, the, your window of, of, of snagging probably the most, um, the most, you know, the highest potential husband, uh, uh, material in that, in that age, not to say that, you know, you get past that and, and, and you lose all hope, but, but it's a, it's an opportunity that, that I think a wise woman and, and, and wise parents are going to want to take advantage of. Well, and it's sometimes frowned upon in, in our day and age, but, but a woman of that age might, should be willing to consider a man who's a little bit older, uh, even, but yeah, a couple, couple things that, that she made me think of one. Yes. I would recommend that, that all, it's not a Christian book. Uh, Greg Kreeble's book, eggs are expensive. Sperm is cheap. That's a book that's well worth reading, uh, yeah. for men. It's just, it, it's just a heavy dose of reality. Uh, yeah. it's one of those, you know, this is how God made the world, whether you like it or not type books, good for men right. to read, to make you a, a realist about things. Um, I'd also say Aaron Wren's, uh, newsletter, maybe the first 30 or so, uh, issues of, of the masculinist by Aaron Wren are very much worth reading. Uh, Michael Foster and non-tenants book. It's good to be a man would be a good one for men to read. Um, those are some recommended re- recommendations for, for young men. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're, you're exactly right. Uh, if you marry young, you are marrying for potential. Okay. Uh, well, especially from the woman's perspective, because you're going to be marrying a man who probably has not accomplished very much yet. Right. Uh, you talked about catching a man on his way up. He may, he's already got an established trajectory towards what he's yeah. doing, uh, with what he's going to do with his life. Um, the, you know, man, I, I always go back to Genesis chapter two, Genesis chapter two, God gives the man a job before he gives him a wife. So the man's got a mission before he's got a wife. Uh, and of course, then he needs the, he needs the wife. He needs the woman to help him fulfill his mission, but he's already got a mission. So for men, for young men, it's mission before marriage, figure out your mission. Then you're ready to find a wife. Uh, and that doesn't mean your mission has to be set in stone or every detail has to be figured out. And you might still be in school if you're doing, you know, if you're going to be a doctor or lawyer or some, you know, some profession that requires a lot of training, uh, I'm not saying you have to finish that before you get married. Obviously, but my son's in med school right now and got married. I, I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, the, the trajectory, like where he's headed, is set. There's no question about that. Um, but but if, if you marry, if a woman marries a man young, she's marrying for potential uh, based on where she thinks he can go. And basically, she's saying, I think you're going someplace good, someplace that I, you know, I want to follow you there. Uh, she sees potential to build a life together with this man because he's got direction. Uh, so that, that's, that's the thing. If you're a, if you're a young woman and you're looking at a young man and, you know, he's in his early twenties and maybe doesn't have, you know, hardly any money and that kind of thing. And it's in the very beginning stages of his, his work, his career, you're saying, okay, does this guy have the work ethic? Does he have the skills he needs 
to move forward to advance so you can provide for a family? That's the kind of question you're asking. So, uh, so, so when you, when, well, I just, I just said this, when you, when you, when you, when you marry, especially if you marry young, you're making a bet on each other. Yeah. And what I'm saying is make sure it's a safe bet, a wise bet based on the potential that you see there. So, um, you know, you don't know the future, but you can see the direction someone is headed. And that that's the main thing that you want to look for. And I, I think such a phenomenal point. And, and uh, y- the way you said it, young men, mission before marriage, you know, that, that that's kind of the, the orientation that young men should have. I think that's that's. That's really, really important, and I don't think enough dads are, are, are pushing that. I think a lot of young men um, love the idea of early marriage, obviously. Um, you know, they're, they're at their kind of peak sexually, and they, they are very eager for marriage and, and for that opportunity. Um, but it's, it's um, you know, the, the relationship thing can be a, uh, potentially a big distraction for young men, um, who are not thinking about this. Um, and, and, and I think the way that you talked about uh, for a father of a daughter, as he's evaluating and helping his daughter evaluate a potential, you know, a, a suitor, let's say, um, you know, I think, I think it's important that we reject the, the, you know, emotionalism, romanticism that, that is so prevalent and in, in, you know, in uh, popular culture of like, what does your heart tell you? You know, all of that stuff. Like, are you meant for each other? Do you feel like you're meant for each other? Um, and, and I think um, your point about, you know, you can evaluate a young man who isn't established in his career by looking at his habits and his trajectory and, and so I, I think about my own, you know, my wife and I started dating in high school. We were very young um, and she didn't have, you know, a father who was very involved um, in, in that whole process. Um, but, you know, I, I I was very interested in having getting him involved. And, and when I was when we were when I was ready to pursue her for marriage in a serious way, you know, I, I pursued his approval and. And I think, you know, I, I was a liberal arts student at the time. Um, there was a phase where I thought I wanted to be a doctor. There was a phase where I thought I wanted to be a pastor. But I think the, the, um, the thing that was, that was evident you know, to, to her dad was, A, um, this guy has worked really hard, uh, whether he was working at a you know, fast food place and delivering papers on the side and selling you know, knives on the side or whatever, like this, this guy is not afraid to work hard. Um, and, and B, um, he, he, he loves my daughter and my, and my daughter really loves him and and really enjoys his, his company. And there's a real, there's a real, um, chemistry there. Um, I think that's, that's, that's a pretty solid, that's a pretty solid, you know, whether or not the guy has started medical school or he started engineering school, or he's got a, a real obvious career path. I think you can, potentially, um, if you're wise, you can discern, um, the trajectory without, without those kinds of specific indicators. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, I think for young men, we've kind of established, you know, it's mission before marriage, at least figure out what it is you're going to want to do. Get on, get on a, get on a track that's going somewhere. 
you know, and then go pursue a woman. And again, how far you have to be down that track, that's, you know, that's going to vary from, from situation to situation. And like you, you know, Larson using yourself, obviously you went through several different iterations of thinking, this is what I want to be, or that's what I want to be. I'm not saying a man has to have everything, you know, every last detail figured out, but he he does need to be heading somewhere and he needs to have demonstrated potential. Yeah. Uh, You talked about, you know, for, for women, you know, that age 18 to 25, uh, range right there. That that's yeah. you know that's when they're most attractive as a as a candidate for marriage. Doesn't mean that a woman who's past twenty five is not going to get married. Certainly, but but yeah. but the chances do start to 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 go down some the after that age. Get, the, the, yeah. the statistics do bear that out. So you know again, but but you know th- th- so this is one thing I would say when it comes to raising daughters is a lot of daughter a lot of parents today basically take an androgynous approach to parenting. And so they 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 raise daughters the same way they raise sons. And I think that's a huge mistake. When you yeah. raise when you're raising a son, you're training a son primarily for dominion so he can be a protector and a provider. When Adam is told to guard and uh, cultivate the garden. That's really what that is about. Guarding obviously is protecting. You know, he's got to protect the garden, which means protecting the woman in the garden because she's made in the garden. And then, uh, you know, cultivating uh, the garden. That's so he can be a provider. Now, after the fall, we know thorns and thistles will get in the way of that 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 work uh, of providing. So it becomes much more difficult in a fallen world. But still, that that's the man's fundamental responsibility. So, you know, when you're evaluating a man, that that's really really important. Um, Paul's getting at the same thing in Ephesians five when he talks about nurturing and cherishing a woman. Uh, you know, a wife, uh, you know, cherishing has to do with keeping warm. It has to do certainly with um, lavishing love on her, but it also has to do in with in a very practical kind of way with providing for her uh, and protecting her, you know, bringing safety and shelter and those kinds of things uh, into her life. So, so, you know, that that's crucial for a man. Um, but there's a lot, but like I said, parents today often take a very androgynous approach to to their kids and so they end up you know they want to put their girls in all the same kind of sports activities as they do boys you know not recognizing that you know you're training a boy for dominion and so sports are going to play a different role in a boy's life than a girl's life not saying girls can't play sports i'm just seeing sports have always played a different role for men than they have for women um physical competitions and what else it's just it's got a different role in a man's life than a woman's life um there's a reason why virtually all games and sports throughout history have been invented by men and not, by, you know, then there'll be a woman's version of it sometimes, but men are the ones who invent these things and develop these things because they, they play a very significant role for men uh, and, and, and turning boys into men, you know, developing manhood. Um, but if you, if you raise a girl the same way you raise a boy, um, then what happens is that one, that, you know, that young woman is going to be very career minded. And what what has happened with a lot of young women today is they know exactly what they want in terms of a career uh, and they're very career focused. Um, But and and so you often even hear today women talk about how they want they don't want to get married. They want to put off marriage because they want to build a career first. And I think I think I said for a for a man, it's mission before marriage. So he needs to figure out what his vocational trajectory is going to be before he goes and finds a spouse because when he, when he goes and he's, he's trying to, uh, date a girl, pursue a girl for marriage, court a girl, you know, whatever terminology you want to use at some point, she's probably going to encounter 
her father who's going to say, how are you going to provide for my daughter? And that's really the question he's asking is, can't, you know, do you have a mission? Uh, and he's perfectly right to ask that question. That, that's a that's a great question to ask a young man. Uh, but yeah. with a woman, it's different. We, 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 we don't and should not be expecting women to be shouldering the, 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 the primary burden of provision for a household. So the, what you're raising a girl to do is different. You're raising her to be a wife and a mother, which does not mean she should be left uneducated. I would say just the opposite. Her education is vital, but her education is going to serve a somewhat different purpose in her life. Um, she needs to be growing in wisdom and all of that as well, but she doesn't need to be focused on a career in the way that a, that a, that a young man would be focused on developing a career. And actually, I would say for her, it ought to be, um, you know, I, I would say, again, as, as you described a woman's prime years, that's when she needs to be focused on, okay, what can I do to best, best prepare myself to be a wife and a mother? And then down the line, after she's raised kids, if she wants to go develop a career, hey, that's great. That's, that's, that can be wonderful. But um, she needs to be focused. This is another thing that really, that I've noticed that really, um, well, I just say this. I think a lot of women in that 18 to 25 year old range in our culture will pass up really good opportunities for marriage. They'll pass up you know, yeah. good young men because they're focused on career advancement and they don't want marriage or having kids to get in the way of that. And they expect to have all the same marriage opportunities, you know, later on in life when they get into their thirties and whatnot. And the reality is they won't. And, you know, there's kind of that, you know, that, that, uh, it's kind of a cruel joke, but you know, when a, when a, when a, you know, 35 year old woman asked, where are all the good men? Well, they're back in their twenties when you're, you know, you turned them all down back then when they were interested. Uh, so, uh, so I, again, this is one of those things that has to do with how you train, uh, how you train boys and girls and how you, you know, how you prepare them for manhood and womanhood and what their responsibilities will be. And again, everybody's, you know, there's variations that are specific to people's situations. I get all that, but just in, in generalities. Um, so, uh, but, yeah. but one of the things with that is that, um, you know, I have noticed that young people will spend years and years of study to get themselves ready for a career. And they will invest thousands upon thousands of dollars to prepare themselves for a career with vocation, you know, with college or vocational training or what have you, all to get ready for a career. Do they invest in various ways in preparing themselves for marriage? The reality is marriage and family life will have far more to do with your ultimate fulfillment and your happiness than whatever your career is. And yet so often we, 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 you know, we, we go all in on preparing for career and then we do so little to prepare for marriage, for being a husband, for being a wife. You might prepare, you know, you might you might spend a great deal of effort preparing to be a, you know, in the business world or an accountant or whatever it might be. But how much did you did you put into preparing to be a husband or a wife, a mother yeah. or or a father? And and, and again, I, I think those familial roles are actually far more important, far more uh, crucial to our happiness and our fulfillment in life than our careers. Uh, and yet we seem to put very, we seem to be investing very little these days into preparing for those roles. 
It's really good. And, and if you're a parent listening to this, I mean, I, I, I think what you said about androgynous parenting, I've, I've tried to, I've tried to purge the word parenting from my, my vocabulary. Yeah. We, we should talk about, about mothering and fathering. That's right. Mothering and fathering. Mothers and fathers are doing different things. And, and, and the work that they're doing um, is also very different depending on whether it's a son or a daughter. That, yeah, that's that's exactly right. Your father, right. And so, and so, and to your point, you're you're 100 true and accurate, and and I think this is easy to miss, but this is true of both both for both sons and daughters. Who you marry and and the health of that marriage is going to have way going to have is going to overshadow uh, the the satisfaction and joy that that comes from your career or your education. It, so so entirely that that it's it's almost it's 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 not even worth talking about um it, it almost uh that, that the marriage relationship is such a massive thing and so it comes back to so how are you mothering or fathering you know that those children in preparation for that most important that most important relationship um an aspect of their lives and it needs to be preparation for a son like you said it's preparation for protection for initiative for discipline uh for provision it's it's all of those things for leadership um risk taking etc cetera, etc cetera. for a woman um it it's femininity right it's training in femininity training in how to how to love and support and and be submissive to uh your your father you know in the home what does that look like how does that how does that play out it's going to be the same way with your and to your both to your father and your mother. I mean, if you've got a daughter who is who back chats her parents every single time she's asked to do anything, then then of course she's going to carry that into her marriage, right? Of course. I mean, that's yeah. going to be right. Yeah, that, you're you're exactly right. And I and I would add for a daughter, and this is where having a really well-rounded education for a daughter is so important. It's developing, you know, we might call them domestic skills, but I would say the skills that are needed to uh, run and oversee and build a productive household. Right. Which 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 requires incredible uh, ingenuity and and resourcefulness. There's nothing easy about being a quote unquote homemaker. I mean that that role gets castigated today. And, and, and of course, with the rise of the industrial revolution, and we have so much technology in our homes now, appliances that, that do make a lot of the, uh, that, that save time and obviously make a lot of those household tasks much easier than they once were. But to manage a household, which would be her yeah. role, it, when, that, when that becomes a household that is full of children and you know, all kinds of other things, uh, it, it is a very demanding task, actually. Right. And I think one of, the, one of the great tragedies of life in modern America is that it's not done well. Our, we have right. allowed the household to be hollowed out uh, to, to the point where, you know, what happens in the typical household today? Well, it's where you sleep and it's where you watch Netflix. And that's about it. And everything else has been outsourced. But I would actually say, no, the, the, the Bible's got a much more compelling uh, vision for what the household is about. I don't mean everything has to take place, you know, within the confines of the four walls of your house, obviously not, but I'm just saying, you know, uh, I mean, a household is, is, is more than that, but, uh, it really takes a lot to run and manage a household. Well, uh, it's a, it's a demanding vocation. And, you know, in the past that was well understood and the homemaker, 
you know, the wife and, and mother who uh, is, is devoted to her home, like the Proverbs 31 woman, or like Paul talks about in Titus chapter 2, where he says that women are to be uh, homemakers. Uh, that, that, was, that, was a, that was a highly respected role right. and calling right. because it was demanding. It required a wide range of skills. I'll make another book recommendation here. Uh, G, it's really a collection of essays. G.K. Chesterton's book, uh, Brave New Family, is excellent in, in really showing the, uh, the value, worth, and demandingness of the woman's role in the home and how foolish women are to think, oh, if I'm going to have a fulfilling life, I've got you know, to abandon the home and go pursue a career uh, that's going to take me outside of the home and I can drop my kids off at daycare on my way to work. Uh, that, you know, he, he really makes a very compelling argument uh, for the uh, the role of the wife and the mother as a homemaker, and I, I would I'm not going to try to recapitulate all his arguments here. I'll just point you to the book, but it's excellent. Yeah. Well, and 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 the and and a lot of the stuff you're talking about also is 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 discussed a, a great deal in C.R. Wiley's book, uh, Man of the House, which yeah, which uh, which made a huge impact on me, and is something I've been talking a lot about ever since I read it and reread it. But um, but yeah, to to point parents and their daughters to Proverbs 31, if, if you do a really thorough examination of what that woman was actually doing, um, this was not a, this was not a, um, you know, a, a woman who was lazy for starters. I mean, that she was a very incredibly industrious woman. I made yes. the comment, I, I, I led a, um, an event here in Huntsville a while back on, on family-based businesses. And, uh, one of the comments I made was, you know, if you look at the Proverbs 31 woman, this was not a woman who was who had self-esteem issues. <laughs> you know, this is not a woman right, who right. who who had depression or anxiety. You know, she was she was, you know, had a staff. Um, she had uh, she was out doing real estate deals. She was creating products and taking them to market. Um, so, you know, again, th these are the kinds of things um, that, that, uh, uh, wise parents and, and wise daughters are preparing, um, her for, that's the kind of work that they're preparing her for. And, and, uh, to the extent that, that any man, you know, who, who has any degree of wisdom is going to see that and, and highly value that, um, and, and, and be looking for those kinds of characteristics, um, as he looks for a wife. Um, is going to see them and, and, and be attracted to them. So, so yeah, that's, that's a, that's huge. Well, I think, I think uh, Rich, go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just, I, I know we're getting towards the end of our time here. Uh, you know, God, a minute always turns into 60 minutes or so, but, uh, you know, one, one, uh, one, one other thing here, really, really a couple things that I'll, I'll say as we move towards wrapping this up. One is, I, I think we also need to reckon with the fact that there's a lot of cynicism about marriage in our day. And there will probably be many young men and young women, even in our churches who say, oh, I don't want to get married. Maybe their parents' marriage has not been that happy, or maybe just they've absorbed this view of marriage from the culture. I think that's something that we we live in a culture where most of what people are going to hear about marriage is bad news. 
and 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 how marriage is confining and restrictive and it's a form of slavery and it's an oppressive institution, especially for women. You know, so so I, I would say on the feminist side, you've got this real attack on marriage, that marriage is an oppressive institution that serves the patriarchy and all of that. But I'll tell you this, on, on the men's side, a lot of the red pill sort of men's movement kind of stuff also makes a real... Um, argument against marriage a lot of times, basically saying marriage as it exists in, in, in the modern world today with family law, the way family courts work and whatnot is a really bad deal for men and that men should not, uh, should not get married because, Hey, if your wife just changes her mind, she can walk out the door and take half of your stuff and your kids with her. And there's nothing you can do about it because family court's going to be so slanted against you. And so men are crazy to marry. In, 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 in a context where there's so much bad news about marriage and where so few people compared to in the past, percentage-wise, are wanting to get married and aspire to marriage and, and all that, uh, I would say that um, we need to be constantly proclaiming the good news about marriage. How marriage is, again, uh, marriage can, if, if, if you disregard God's design for men and women, you disregard God's design for sex, yeah, marriage probably will be a disaster for you certainly will be a disaster for you. But if you're willing to embrace God's design uh, and, and what God's word says about these things and put those things into practice, marriage is an incredible blessing. It's an incredible blessing. There's nothing more glorious, nothing more hope-filled, nothing more hopeful than a young man and a young woman committing the rest of their lives to one another and then setting out to build a life and build a household and really build a little kingdom build a little yeah. Christendom together uh, as husband and wife. That's it's just an absolutely glorious thing. And, yeah. and that's why weddings are so filled with joy and, you know, just with this really intense emotion because it fills us with hope for the future. Uh, that's what a marriage represents. Just like when a, you know, and then when a child comes into the world, that's another, you know, sign of hope for the future as well. So uh, it, it's really a glorious thing. And, and uh, I don't think there's any ideal age to get married. You know, I think it was David Brooks years ago who wrote an article that contrasted cornerstone marriages with capstone marriages. And the cornerstone marriage is really the kind of marriage like what I had, where you get married pretty young and you start out with nothing and then you build a life together. And so you kind of go through all these phases of life together. Capstone marriage is kind of where you've done everything else. You've traveled the world. You've built a career. You've got a lot of money in the bank. And the one thing you're missing in life is a spouse. And so you get married to kind of complete that and then have kids together. But, you know, generally that's by then you're kind of in your, say, mid to late 30s. I'm not saying that's wrong. You know, some, some people, that's how it's going to be. There, there are examples of this in Scripture where you've got men who get married much, you know, much older later in life. That's not, it's not a moral issue here. But I think there's really something glorious about a cornerstone stone marriage where to Robert uh, Capon talks about this in his book, bed and board where, you know, two young people get up and they promise the rest of their lives to each other. And yeah. we take them seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we believe them when they make these promises that they're going to hold true to these promises. Uh, but it's just a glorious thing to, to see that happen and know that this is how God is going to add another link in the chain of his kingdom. Uh, the kingdom's going to keep going. Another generation is going to be born into the world and carry on that, that legacy of, of faith into the future. It's just a really glorious thing. So in a, in a, in a, in a cultural environment where there's so much cynicism about marriage, let's proclaim the good news about marriage. Let's make sure our kids understand not, not every single child's going to get married 
obviously that grows up in our homes. But but let's let's proclaim the good news about marriage. Uh, what a blessing marriage is. What a glorious institution it is. Um, I think I think marriage is you know it's one of the best. This is obvious in Ephesians five. One of the best created pictures we have of the gospel, and it's one of the best ways we can help people understand the gospel. Because a husband in his marriage representing Christ and a, and, a, and a wife representing the church. So the husband, by how he loves, displaying Christ's love. The woman, by how she obeys and submits, uh, showing what the church, uh, how the church relates to Christ. Uh, and, and that's just a glorious thing, too. And a, a culture that is confused about sex and about gender and about men and women is going to be confused about the gospel. Because the gospel is presented to us in scripture in marital terms. Uh, So if you're confused about marriage, you're going to be confused about the gospel. So we've got to set the world right. We've got to set the world straight about marriage. And the best way for us to do that is by having gloriously happy marriages and households ourselves. Marriage is its own best defense. And marriage is the best defense of the gospel when we live in marriage according to God's design. That's right. Yeah, good word, sir. And 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 I'll, I'll um, second the the comment that we've got to keep proclaiming the goodness um, uh, of uh, of marriage. The um, the um, you know, thank God for it and teach on it often. I I think uh, people feel like it's maybe some think it's kind of a fad or or or, or a you know a a thing to kind of uh, spend a little bit of time thinking about and then move on. But, but really we're always, you know, this, this marriage, this deep mystery of marriage that scripture tells us about is something that we're going to spend our whole lives uh, unraveling and understanding deeper and deeper ways. And so it's something that we should, we shouldn't um, feel ashamed or, or um, feel uh, embarrassed about the fact that our churches and our families are, value marriage so highly and think so much about it and care so deeply about it and teach about it all the time. That that's an important, it's, it's, it's central to the gospel. It's central to uh, creation. I remember um, when, when, you know, when I was, when I was in college and I had a, I had a Christian friend, good friend who said that he didn't know if he wanted to get married because it was just hard to imagine bringing kids into a world as messed up you know, as, as, as it's become, and this was in the 1990s. So of course things are far worse today. And what came to my mind and I, and I said this to him, I said, you know, it's interesting that in Jeremiah 29, when the Israelites are being taken off into Babylonian exile, their temple is going to be destroyed. Uh, they are going to be enslaved by a foreign power. Uh, they're going to, they're, they're going to lose everything. You know, the, the, the wealth that they've built up, the, uh, the lands that they've, lived on and have uh, bonded with it's it's all going to be taken from them but jeremiah in his letter to the exiles is very specific about what they are to do they're to build houses they're to plant gardens in this new place and they are to take take dog you know i'll I'll actually read this for you because it's so good this this is jeremiah 29 i'll start in verse 4. thus says the lord of hosts the god of israel to all the exiles whom i have sent into exile from jerusalem to babylon Build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare, for in its welfare you will find your 
welfare. Okay, there's a, there's a lot of ways in which we as Christians today in America in 2022 are living as exiles. We're like, um, you know, it's like we it's like our land's been taken over uh, the same way. I mean, in this case, they were carted off to Babylon. We haven't been geographically moved, obviously, but it's like we we're, we live as exiles. We have been exiled from positions of cultural influence and power. And what are we to do? Well, we're to seek the welfare of the land where the Lord has us. Uh, and how do we do that? Well, here you have it: build houses, uh, plant gardens. Get married, uh, get your kids married, take wives for, and here's, you see the asymmetry of how sons and daughters intermarriage, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. So sons marry, daughters are given in marriage. Uh, it says multiply there and do not decrease. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid to get married and have kids, even in exile, even in a context where it seems like you're experiencing the Lord's chastisement and and the Lord's discipline is upon you. Even then, marriage and and family life, getting married and and having kids and building a family, building a household, that's that's a good work. That's a glorious work. That's what you're to do in exile. If we as American Christians are in exile today, what should we be doing? Build a house, plant a garden get married, have kids, get your kids married off, give your daughters in marriage uh, and, and, uh, and, and send your sons out to find wives and continue building the kingdom in this way. Nothing changes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, it's, and it's all done, Rich. It's, as we know, it's all done in faith. And, and, uh, right. if, you know, and, 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 and when it comes to how to, train your, your children or how to marry them off. You know, Proverbs talks about the way of a man with a maiden being a a great mystery. At the end of the day, it it requires faith. It requires some degree of, of letting go some degree of, of, you know, of, of admission of the fact that you as a father cannot, cannot perfectly evaluate, uh, a man, uh, and you as a, you know, as a daughter, um, as a potential bride cannot perfectly predict, you know, whether or not this man is going to be, um, how he's going to carry himself lifelong. It's, it is an act of faith. Marriage is absolutely an act of faith. And it's, it's, um, and it's something that we don't do. We don't do, um, you know, willy nilly. We don't do without a great degree of reverence and a great degree of fear. Um, but, but we do it with joy. Um, and, uh, and at the end of the day, you know, your, your kids are not going to be ruined or, or, or um, their marriage is um, uh, doomed if, if you didn't use the word courtship you know, in, in, their, in their early days when they were first meeting. Um, and, 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 uh, and also at the same time, you know, there's not you can't sprinkle a little courtship dust on, you know, magic dust on your on, on a bad relationship, on an unwise relationship and have it turn out right. So, um, I think, I think if Christians are thinking about all of these things that we've discussed today, um, you know, call it what you want to call it. Um, and, and I think you can, you can expect, um, God to be kind and to be faithful to his promises to us. Amen. All right, sir. Well, thank you for another uh, wonderful conversation on uh, the God a Minute podcast. And thank you, uh, listeners, for joining us. We hope that it, this was helpful. Um, we look forward to uh, your feedback and thoughts and commentary. Feel free to shoot us an email or comment on, on, our, uh, on our videos or wherever you're seeing this or listening to this. Um, Rich, 
look forward to talking to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Larson. <laughs>